Jonathan Hickman-led era of Marvel's X-Men began in July 2019 and continued through the end of March 2020 prior to all of comics, and in many ways all of the world, being put on hold due to the COVID-19 pandemic. With the return of X-Men Comics imminent, Marauders number 10 is scheduled for publication on May 27, 2020, followed by Excalibur New Mutants number 10 on June 10, 2020. It's a good time to look back on what's happened in this new era of X-Men comics so far, and to refresh our memories on where the world of X stands, heading into the hopefully glorious return of comics. Today I'll answer, what's the big picture in the X-Men universe that you need to know heading back into X-Comics? What's the story so far in the ongoing X-Men comics? What are the biggest lingering threads in the dawn of X? Hey, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald, and you're listening to Crack and Krakoa number 55. Previously on X-Men, we're going to address 15 of the biggest unanswered questions in X-Men comics as they stand. If you like Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. Links to CBA's channels and Patreon support are included in the show notes. You can find full X-Men and comic book reading orders over on comicbookherald.com. Spoilers, potential spoilers for all of the Dawn of X may follow. Big picture. In the aftermath of House of X and Powers of Ten, Marvel's mutants, nearly all of them, now inhabit the independent, sovereign nation of Krakoa. While there have been plenty of threats to the nation, including the infiltration and assassination of Professor X and a full-scale brood invasion, Krakoa and mutant kind still stand tall. Behind the secret plotting of Charles Xavier, Magneto, and Moira McTaggart, with a leadership council that includes Jean Grey, Storm, Nightcrawler, Apocalypse, and Mr. Sinister, among others, mutant pharmaceuticals have established global financial dominance, and mutant resurrection protocols have ensured at least the appearance of immortality for mutant kind. There are still many threats, but there is reason to celebrate, even at a sweet tiki bar. Crucially, while mutants have had sanctuary before, they've even had islands before, they've never been quite so tentatively unified. Traditional hero and villain archetypes have largely fallen to the wayside on Krakoa, as frequently embodied by the central role Apocalypse plays in the nation's government and course. The same can be undoubtedly said for Mr. Sinister, Exodus, and a whole host of others such as, for example, Mystique. Now, Likewise, mutant kind is led from the shadows by the lifetimes of experience the artist formerly known as human ally Moira McTaggart brings to the nation. In House of X number 2, it's revealed that Moira's secret mutant ability is reincarnating across lifelines, with all memories of previous lifelines intact, giving her unprecedented tactical advantages, preparing mutant kind for man-machine dangers that threaten to wipe them out. So yes, there are enough significant differences to Krakoa that it doesn't feel exactly like a return to Genosha, Utopia, Xanadu, or wherever else the X-Men have called home and safe house, safe haven in the past. The Dawn of X titles. So we have launch titles, we have additions that came after launch, and launch titles being right after House and Powers, and we have those that are coming soon. I'm going to go through each one of these in a little bit of detail with the story so far, and then discuss the biggest hanging threads that are related to those series. So, let's talk story so far for X-Force. The single biggest death in the Dawn of X came in X-Force number 1 by Ben Percy and Joshua Kassara, when human terrorists tortured Domino and used her mutant DNA as skin grafts to infiltrate Krakoa and assassinate Professor X. Predictably, he got better, but the impact led to the reformation of the Black Ops X-Force unit of Wolverine, Domino, Quentin Quire, Beast, Jean Grey, Sage, Black Tom Cassidy, and in occasional clutch cameo roles, Forge. The big hanging thread here for me. While the team has had their hands full with the rise of mutant-hating group Zeno and the expanding moral vacuum inside an increasingly arrogant Hank McCoy, the biggest lingering thread is who's the mysterious traitor on Krakoa? 
It's been some time, but way back in X-Force number 3, a shadowy hand snuffed the life out of the remaining Xeno-terrorist mutants had taken prisoner in the hopes of obtaining information about the organization. There's a traitorous presence on Krakoa waiting in the wings, and it remains a huge threat to mutant kind to be revealed. Our next book, Marauders. While I was skeptical of the title at launch, Jerry Duggan and Matteo Lali's work on Marauders, with gorgeous covers by Russell Douderman and Matt Wilson, is a pitch-perfect blend of high-octane pirating and hellfire trading company power plays. The White Queen, Emma Frost, the Black King, Sebastian Shaw, and the all-new Red King, Kate Pride, form alliances and internal competition throughout the work, all plotting to their own, you know, nefarious ends, and all threatened by the rise of the former Kid Hellfire Club from the pages of Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men, now calling themselves Hominus Ferendi. So, what is the big unanswered question here? Well, all the infighting escalates when Sebastian Shaw stages the assassination of Kate Pride at sea. The mystery of Kate's inability to use Krakow and Gates has been one of Marauder's greatest mysteries, and this is now coupled with the five strange struggle to resurrect the good Captain Kate. Theories here abound from Kate's not actually a mutant to, well, technically she might be an offshoot of mutants that we don't really understand yet, but either way, it's the biggest question Marauders can answer upon the return, and I'm looking forward to it. Fallen Angels, we do have to address as a launch title. While the five and out unintentional mini has its fan, I'm on record as loathing Fallen Angels. It's the book that most passionately failed to live up to the hype of Dawn of X, and stranger still, the rest of X-Men titles seem to agree. The inclusion of Quanon, Psylocke, Cable, Laura Kinney, and Mr. Sinister in this title is almost immediately undone by the use of those same characters in X-Men, Cable, and Hellions, respectively. Hellions' first issue at least seems to acknowledge that Fallen Angels happened, which is a testament to ongoing relevance. So what is the hanging thread here? Who let this happen? I'm being facetious, but I'm truly curious what the plan for this was for this title and why it didn't, you know, so rapidly didn't fit within the Dawn of X. Did the X team forget to invite writer Brian Edward Hill to the X Slack? It's bizarre how out of sync this comic is with the direction of literally everything else in Marvel's X universe, and I want answers. In Excalibur, what is the story so far? I've been critical of the launch of Excalibur by Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe, but it's not for lack of trying or relevance to the X-Men's big picture. Indeed, Excalibur remains one of the core titles as the X lineup heads towards its first major event, with Teeny Howard co-writing Ten of Swords with Jonathan Hickman. As a result, I'm deeply curious about Betsy Braddock's status as the new Captain Britain, and of course all Apocalypse's machinations in Otherworld, where he set up Omega-level reality-warping Jamie Braddock as the Mystic Realm's new king. Pour one out for the deposed Morgana Le Fay. So, what's the unanswered question here? Well, what is Apocalypse planning, and why does he need Otherworld? Likewise, Excalibur's recent events have brought Apocalypse into conflict with Saturnine, and the powers of the Omniverse. How deep into Marvel's multiverse do Apocalypse's plans for mutant kind extend? All signs point to these questions being explored thoroughly in Ten of Swords, and I for one definitely can't wait. The story so far in X-Men and New Mutants. First off, I lump New Mutants and X-Men together because for the Jonathan Hickman and Rod Rice issues of New Mutants, starring the original kiddos, it's issues 1, 2, and 5, and 7, the series is essentially building to the events of X-Men number 8. As a result, I'm still waiting for Ed Brisson, Flaviano, and the creative team to settle into their story, and I look forward to that as New Mutants continues. I don't really know what to think of the series so far, honestly. On the X-Men front, Hickman, Lionel, Francis Hugh, and Mamad Esrar's first nine issues have been somewhat divisive, both in reception and structural approach. The storylines are all over the map. X-Men number 8 and number 9 are the first back-to-back -back issues in the run that continue the same story, and they vary from exceedingly instructive to the post-House Powers X-Men landscape to shockingly focused on elder comedy. Horticulture stands, this is your moment. Nonetheless, when you add it all up, Hickman and company are quickly tackling a huge array of fascinating subjects in the X-Men universe, including... 
the Children of the Vault as the X-Men's primary nemesis, Araka, Krakoa's other half, and the mysterious summoners who are definitely going to play a role in Ten of Swords, Mystique's desire to resurrect Destiny and Orcus's continued development of Nimrod happening, you know, kind of under Mystique's watch, Krakoa's Crucible, and Mutant's plan to restore their numbers, plus glimpses into life on the new island. This is what we got a, a vision into in X-Men number 7, when we learned that Apocalypse's plan for mutants who want to resurrect, but, you know, suicide is off the table, is to engage in a sweet sword fight with that same Apocalypse. And, of course, there's a new status quo with the longtime alien enemy, the Brood. This is all very interesting stuff in the X-Men universe. So what are the big questions that come out of that? Well, as a result of the fractured approach to X-Men, there are plenty of intentional hanging threads that mostly tie into the same questions readers had coming out of House and Powers. Here are the first five that come to mind based on the issues so far. Okay, seriously, when and how are horticulture coming back? What's the bigger play? And will X-Men feel uncustomarily like Next, Wy Next Wave every time they show up? I really want to know what the plan is for Horticulture and why that issue happened. Also, in X-Men number 5, Laura Kinney, Sink, and Darwin all entered the vault of Children of the Vault on a mission to uncover their secrets and diminish the threat to mutants. Within the vault, they will already age at an exponentially rapid rate. When will they return and what secrets will they uncover? This could just be like a big kind of, uh, you know, ticking time bomb that's going to explode deep into the future of X-Men. Or it could be something where we get visions into the vault from Hickman and company of what these characters are experiencing. I think personally, I would prefer the latter to actually see what these characters are going through. But it could, again, this could be a thing that gets dropped way into the distant future. And that is an interesting unanswered question that remains. Also, what's up with Doug Ramsey and Warlock? Doug's been walking around with a Warlock arm, yet somehow keeping Warlock's separate status secret, I guess, until Ileana saw them together in Giant-Sized Nightcrawler. Why is this a secret? The mutants know Warlock. This, sh this seems strange to me that it would be so secretive. What are they planning? Why can't Ileana tell the rest of the new mutants? I really want to know what schemes Doug and Warlock have, you know, proverbially up their sleeve. Likewise, what's up with Gabriel Summers and his visions of a near-death experience inside the vault at the end of Marvel's War of Kings event? Is Gabe our first example of a resurrected mutant with a still-living copy out in the universe? A resurrected version on Krakoa and the living kind of evil Vulcan, former Emperor of the Shi'ar out in space? For more theories here, I recommend Cracked on Krakoa number 44, where I go deep on this exact topic. Biggest of all, though, what's up with Moira X? We have not seen Moira McTaggart so far in the Dawn of X. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that this is the biggest unanswered question by far. And I hope we are going to at least see some of her and some of what she's been playing behind the scenes in the upcoming Ten of Swords event that is on the radar. So now we get into the additions that all came post-launch, the first of which is X-Men Fantastic Four. We're 75% through the four-issue X-Men Fantastic Four Mini, and it's the X-Universe's most significant taste of the broader Marvel Universe players to date. The conflict is centered around Franklin, Fra Franklin Richard's status as an Omega-level mutant and whether he should choose to stay with his human fantastic family or join life on Krakoa among his fellow mutants. Naturally, Franklin, Valeria, and a pre-Marauder's assassination, Cape Pride, turn to uh, Doctor Doom for help. The question, pretty obvious. Will Franklin wind up on Krakoa? In the same vein, what does his presence and the collection of his DNA mean for Professor X and Mr. Sinister's plan for Omega-level mutants? We've seen Mr. Sinister ogling Franklin's DNA in the pages of Marvel Comics Incoming number 1, and we know from House of X number 1 that Omega-level mutants are considered Krakoa's greatest resource. 
My theories here are that this ties to Sinister's plans for a Chimera army, and likely the Professor's plans that he can control said army, but we don't yet know for sure exactly why they're so desperate for Omegas on Krakoa. The story so far in giant size. Two issues of the Hickman-written Giant Size series are available. The first, a Jean Grey Emma Frost Ode to New Mutants number 121, the silent issue written by Graham Morrison with art by Frank Quitely, with art here by Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson. And the second is a stealth Doug Ramsey solo about a haunted X-Mansion with art by Alan Davis. While the connective tissue is not instantly apparent, the series has so far worked in two hive-mind threats to mutants, the return of the Children of the Vault and their infection of Storm, and the X-History deep-cut pull of the Seedry, which was pretty exciting. How will Storm escape the Children of the Vault's trap, and how will Hickman bring all these series together? We know Magneto, Phantom X, Storm one-shots are to follow, and my hope is both Magneto and Phantom X bring in two more hive mind based species or threats before finding a way for Storm to save herself. I have to acknowledge here that our first Dawn of X glimpse into Phantom X, last seen giving up his body to Professor X, and no I will not rephrase that, is full of plenty of potential as well. The story so far in Hellions, it's pretty simple, because it's only got one issue. In their opening issue, Zeb Wells and Stefan Segovia craft a vision of the X-Men Suicide Squad, and all new Hellions at the command of Mr. Sinister and the return of Psylocke. The hanging thread here? What's Madeline Pryor, as revealed in the you know final page of that issue, planning, and how might it invite in an Inferno 2.0? Just as importantly, will we finally get the long-awaited issue entirely from the perspective of Madeline Pryor's sentient underboob? Only time will tell. The story so far in Cable. Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto's Cable Number 1 was a loaded opening shot full of Ten of Swords connections, the Galadorian Space Knights, and a fantastic tease of everybody's favorite old man Cable. Basically, Cable finds a giant-ass sword in the foot of an Araco monster, and the sword used to belong to Rom's boys, the Galadorian Space Knight. There's obviously plenty still to come, but most pressing to me is where is old man Cable trapped? All appearances indicate he's in the same hellish dimension as Apocalypse's first horseman, which certainly gives off very strong Limbo vibes, connecting back to where so many of the X-Books appear to be heading, and of course Limbo being that realm where Ileana Rasputin has been a longtime ruler and, you know, was aged and and uh, learned sorcery and found her soul sword way back in Uncanny X-Men and New Mutants in the 80s. Let's talk a little bit too about what is the story so far in the Marvel Universe? There have been various references to Krakoa and the X-Men's new status quo in Marvel Comics, including Black Cat, Valkyrie, the unbelievable Gwynpool Strikes Back, and a Weapon Plus one-shot. Line-wide, though, Krakoa is still kind of under the radar, and far from thoroughly integrated into the status quo of the entire Marvel Universe. So, that could all change in the coming months with the Avengers number 32 reveal that Namor has plans for the Phoenix. What's Namor doing with that Phoenix in Avengers? As Avengers vs. X-Men readers remember, it's certainly not the first time Namor's flirted with the power of the Phoenix, and last time he had it, he laid waste to Wakanda. Plus, Hickman teased Namor's refusal of Professor X's invitation to Krakoa already, setting the stage for greater plans for the increasingly villainous ruler of the Deep. Namor's sights are currently set on the Avengers, but with the Phoenix in play, it's only a matter of time before the X-Men come calling. Big picture, where are we going? Based on all of that, the march towards the Ten of Swords crossover event 
is in full swing. Ten of Swords Creation Number 1 is scheduled to kick things off in September 2020, written by Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard with art by Pepe Larraz, who did the House of X series. As a side note, the story was supposed to begin in May with Free Comic Book Day. It's possible the FCBD X-Men story will get released prior to creation or just be integrated into it, but if not, I haven't been able to find any confirmation of how Marvel would proceed with that piece of the story. If they're smart, they'll release it for free anyway. Goodwill, great PR, and a good hype machine for the crossover, but we're talking about money and Marvel, and I'm not going to hold my breath. I've shared my Ten of Swords theories in detail immediately following the event's announcement at 2020's Impossible Con, C2E2, but I'll just reiterate that every new piece of info unveiled since the teaser art supports my predictions. I anticipate Ten of Swords will focus on Apocalypse's attempted retrieval of his first horseman from the demon-infested realms of Limbo, and the promo art includes the first horseman hovering in the clouds above, Apocalypse, a summoner, Cable, Rachel Summers, Beast, and Monet. I have very high hopes for this event, and look forward to it answering questions about Apocalypse's motives, the nature of Arako and Krakoa, and the mysterious summoners. So, what major questions do you want to see X-Men comics begin to answer upon their glorious return? Let me hear them in the comments. Again, if you like Comic Book Herald channel and YouTube you know, uh, experience here, comment, interact. Let me know how things are going. Let me know what you think of the content. Let me know what you think of X-Men comics and where they're going. I want to hear all about it. I've been seeing some amazing theories on the YouTube channel. And of course, if you like the YouTube channel or the podcast, please, please consider sharing or just uh, subscribing. It's a, a huge boon to my little ego. Next time, I should be getting back to covering new X-Men issues as they're released. Everybody let out a cheer. But I am entertaining the question, what would you like to see covered? I do want to do some of these bigger, broader uh, type covers in Kraken Krakoa continuing forward, even as new comics are released. Uh, you know, I've talked about, for example, like digging into the retcon problem. As I go through year by year X-Men history in the My Marvelous Year Reading Club, what elements of X-Men history are hardest to reconcile with Hickman's vision, particularly, you know, what we know now about Myra McTaggart and everything Professor X would have been moving towards in House of X and Powers of Ten. So I'll be moving in that direction as well. Big shout out and thanks to Patreon supporters over on patreon.com slash comicbookherald. I want to thank particularly those of you in the mysterious benefactors tier who make Comic Book Herald content possible. Eric Hodges, Jeff Zacharias, Ron Paul Kirkley, Jesse W. Slatron, Robert Mickelson, Professor Pride, and Steve Brennan. Thank you very much for your ongoing support. You can find my work. I'm Dave at comicbookherald.com. You can find me at comicbookherald pretty much anywhere online. And again, look for the best comics ever and my Marvelous Year podcasts for more of my dulcet tones. In the meantime, let's enjoy some new X-Men comics, something to look forward to, and uh, in general, enjoy the comics. <laughs>